Okay, welcome to another Godshot podcast. This is um, a active participation podcast where we have uh, active participants and we can also have um, listeners that can participate in the last 15 or so minutes. Um, I'm Ken and I'm here with my wonderful sponsor and we are continuing our fear um our fear inventory and we are oh yeah sure and we're gonna go ahead and kind of continue on with where we left off last week um one of the things that oh we're getting our we're getting our fear list going. Um, which ones have we already done? Or is there, we've done, do, do you want me to read the ones and you pick one? Um, yeah. And then she's like, let's do a second. Like, let's God grant Ken and I the serenity oh, yeah. to accept the things we cannot change, the courage to change the things we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And please, God, grant us the spiritual insight in order to make full use of this time that we have together here to really like gain awareness of the, you know, the character defects that we have that are really causing us to, or limiting our relationship with you and our ability to be a loving instrument through which you can help the world with. Um, so what I want to do is like, you know, help Ken with his awareness to pick one that's good. That'll help him actually connect to his own thing. Cause we're trying to increase our awareness. Okay. So I'm going to go through completion. We did success. Mm -hmm. Intimacy. Did we do intimacy or did we do love or both? Um, I, I don't know if we did intimacy or love. Let's do intimacy. I'll That's start reading it, and then you'll be able to tell me pretty quickly if it's something we've done already. Okay. All right, so this is from the fear inventory. This is my fear inventory. Uh, I'm a, The fear is intimacy. And why I'm afraid of intimacy is says this. So although I have yearned to be intimate in the past, I have somehow associated intimacy um, with threat or danger. The reason for this is twofold. First up, I grew around, I grew up around erratic, angry women who hated my father and were unavailable emotionally. This made getting close as, to women as an adult a threatening proposition. Second, I believed I was unlovable, and if I let them get too close, they would see who I was and abandon me. I didn't feel like I, you know, was enough for them. I can relate to that. <clears throat> so, uh, do you want me to keep reading the other two columns, or do you want to? Is there anything you want to? You're you're leading, so just let me know what you need. Um, I mean, my fear of intimacy. I think everybody has some form of fear of intimacy at some point, unless you're like a super advanced and done a lot of work on yourself or been to therapy for a long time. Like I think fear of intimacy is kind of a basic yeah. like, human fear that we all kind of have on some level. Do you mind if I just share what my definition of intimacy is? Sure. It's, you know, basically sharing a sincere and authentic connection with a person. So for me to have been sincere 
and authentic with these people that were raising me, it would have been, uh, there wasn't an opportunity to be sincere and authentic. Does that make sense? I had to be inauthentic because I was surviving. I can completely relate to that. Yeah. I, um, I don't know if my fear is based off of the same, um, like the same thing of the women in your family being like disliking your father and kind of like associating you with him and having that kind of emotion. Mm -hmm. But I've definitely had very controlling women um, that were also very, very loving and compassionate, but because of their need for control um, at a certain point, when I let them in close enough, they begin to like, maybe manipulate or try and like control um, my life and my situation, which over time has caused me to like have to keep them at a distance. And so I think that translates into like new relationships I have or um, just like with new people, I, that fear is automatically there where I'm instantly like, how close can I let this person get before they try and like control or manipulate the situation? You know what I mean? I think that's, you know, and it's interesting because you you just said that. And I really feel like me, when I say this, and I think it's important for me to mention this, when I say I have somehow associated, uh, you know, intimacy with a woman as being a danger or threat, my perspective and what I, my evaluation is, is that they hated my father and associated. That might be completely, I, I, you know. That's your own perspective. That's my, like, that's the way that I perceived it. Um, I know, like, I don't, what you're saying makes a lot of sense. You know what I mean? That they they could have also, and I'm open to that, that really, and I have felt this before. Like if I let someone get to my, my narrative about it is this, and that maybe I'm unworthy, but the reality of it could have been that the closer that they got to me, a woman trying to love me it meant that they were going to dominate and control me and somehow demask and like, I don't know what the word is. Yeah. Yeah, Me. Yeah. And I didn't want to be dominated. And so I would play almost like this. I would play this persona or this character, uh, in order to avoid being controlled. Yeah. And it would be, yeah. So what you're saying resonates with me. It makes sense. sense. I, I, if I was going to add, I would add this into my, my new fourth step because that's really insightful. Um, Yeah. And the other thing, like, just to open it up a little bit, like this, for me, this also translates to, um, relationship with like my male friends, my father, um, other guys in my family, like, cause there is like a form of intimacy or like camaraderie between, um, the friends that I have. And like, there has been instances where that same, um, fear of like letting them in close enough to like have control or, have some kind of like um, power over over me or like the situation mm-hmm. where I automatically like kind of try and put up a barrier or push back against it. Yeah, I found that over with time, men yeah, specifically. Okay. Yeah, with with men and women. Right. You know what I mean? But it's just like I haven't dug deep enough to know exactly. Like I'm assuming it comes from like you know my mom and other women in my family, but you know it could also come from like my relationship with my dad, I'm not sure. My dad, I think, was a lot less controlling. Right. Um, he has his own faults, of course, but I think he was a lot less controlling than my mom was. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I think about like that control and that fear of intimacy, I think that that's kind of where it comes from. Like I could be wrong. 
Um, but I've learned in positive ways, like with relationships with some of my guy friends and other people in my life and like some of my male family members that um, I've been like pleasantly surprised with that, mm -hmm. you know, like there's not, I hate making like a distinction, that distinction between like male relationships and female relationships, mm -hmm. but I don't seem to have um, that issue with like long-term male friends. Mm. You know what I mean? There's well, you're like, not intimate with them. Like there's not the same. Like... Yeah. It's not the same, but I think that there is like a, like, I don't know if that's like, do you think the guy friends could humiliate you the same way the girls could? Like, I don't think that I take it as personally. Right. But I'm saying just being rejected by a woman as opposed to being a man, is it the same? Does it hit the same? Like if you sought out a relationship with a guy and a girl and either of them like rejected you, would it be the same? Like I think that that when it comes to like like the vibration of like nurturing, um like my mind automatically goes towards like a feminine energy. Yeah. But when I think about like compassion, like a lot of my male friends come to mind because there is like, like a really solid form of compassion that I've gotten from some of my male friends. And I think maybe that's just because I relate to them a little bit better. Yeah. And so they're able to like come from a, a place of like real understanding with some of the situations I have. So you're able to be authentic and sincere with right. them. In a, a different way, more, yeah, in a different which way. make disarms people. Yeah. Cause when people can be, you know, cause I might come in, we might have whatever, but it's like when we're being sincere and authentic, we're allowing ourselves to see each other in a different way. Mm -hmm. And that makes the animal part of ourselves, you know, kind of chill out a little bit so yeah. that there's the, there is the, the vibration. So we're it, it then, you know, there's the opportunity to stand in truth and be loving as yeah. opposed to like, my dad was always erratic and, well, he bailed, you know? So for me, it was like a lot of men who would come in and try to help me. I would imagine I would, would perceive that they were going to do something to me or that they were just full of shit and going to bail me. Cause my father would <clears throat> grill me at the dinner table a lot, you know? So then I had the, and then all these things that were wrong with me and then to compensate for all that stuff he just did. Cause he could see me kind of like get whatever, like upset. Then he would promise to do something nice for me in the morning. And then he would wake up in the morning. So hungover, he wouldn't remember any of it. And so then I was just like, so that's like constantly being emotionally abandoned in a moment, but then bailing altogether. So I always had this really need to like be super, super, productive and like built I built empires for guys just trying to get out of boys that I wanted from my dad. And I didn't realize that till later, but it's like, I just wanted my dad's approval. And if I did enough that he wouldn't abandon me, like if I was perfect enough, if I did enough things and he never would have left in the first place. And I took responsibility Very, yeah. for all that as a child when it had nothing to do. I mean, maybe just the sound. And I didn't know that till later. I would like look at my father and we would be in a restaurant and there would be a little baby that was screaming and he would literally duck like someone was throwing grenades. Like it had such a fucking gnarly effect on him just being around little babies. And I go, Oh, this guy was, he couldn't hang. He couldn't hang with just my, the sound of me crying. He just had to leave. Like it wasn't nothing personal towards me. Right. And I kind of let myself off the hook after I saw him. Cause I was like, this guy just can't be around children at all. It wasn't me being good enough. Yeah, Does that make sense? Such a heavy thing to carry with you as a kid. Because, you know, my father was like the one who like his, you know, he came home from school one day and his brother pushed his mom down a flight of stairs. They were all drunk. 
or she was drunk and I guess the brother wasn't, but he was an accident and she snapped his neck right in front of her. Wow. She snapped her neck right in front of my dad. And then my father had to lie to the police and say, Hey, you know, like she fell, she fell to cover for his brother. And then he ended up dying of throat cancer. So I don't know what keeping that secret did to him, but he did die of throat cancer. Yeah. Throat chakra thing. But I'm just saying, but the point is, is like the opportunity to be authentic with him or her, my mom and sister, it just wasn't there, you know? So I, I get that. Yeah. It's, it's pretty rough. Well, I mean, it's just sets it up. It's like, those are my thing. That's the thing that's beautiful about it. It's just like, those are the people who gave birth to me. This was their challenge. Like my mom's currently struggling with emphysema and, um, CPOD. So she's, my father died. He couldn't speak his throat. He lost the ability to talk. And this one's kind of like suffocating to death. So that's what I'm overcoming with the mantras and everything I'm doing is like, you know, what, what's their lesson to me? Like if I didn't go through all those experiences, it, I wouldn't be becoming who I am now. Mm. So I, just, I mean, that's a very positive way to look at it. I just think that's why we're born and the people we're born to. Yeah. So I synthesize both of them and create something positive out of it. If we're able to. Yeah. That's tough. Some of us never get to that point, you know? Some of us stay in the resentment of it all. Mm -hmm. People live their whole lives never figuring that out. Well, and you know, it's interesting. The, the way that I figured it out, I had a day off for the first time in four months uh, on Saturday. No kids, no work. You know, I've been either when I'm not working, I'm with kids. When I'm not with kids, I'm at work. And it was like the first day I was off and I just took my car right over the mechanic, got all this work done to it, then took it back. And I was like detailing everything. I spent like two hours cleaning all the interior out, like making it nice. This car's like almost 20 years old. And it was a gift for my family. I had like an old Jaguar when I had the kids. And I was like, this Jaguar's not a kid's car, you know? And they just, it was a gift to them. But whenever my mom would give me anything, I would neglect it or dishonor it or disrespect it or squander it because it was a given to me from her. Mm -hmm. And so, and I noticed, I was like, wow, I'm really taking care of this thing right now because my relationship with her is finally healed. There's not this hidden resentment and need to like secretly, silently, passive aggressively punish her by like destroying something she gave me. Isn't that weird? That's so weird. But I mean, I totally get it because I've done the same thing. Like, it's like she's sent me money before and I couldn't spend it fast enough. It was like a hooker getting money from like some John she hated. Yeah. I just was like, you know, but now it's like, oh, wow. Like, I, and I even shared it with my mom. I was like, yo, like, just so you know, this car's looking great. Like, you know, because that was in a way, it's a measurement from the universe. It's like, you know, it's like you're just going to piss it away because you hate your mom. And I don't hate my mom anymore. But it's interesting. I, but it, it dawned on me when I was doing all this work the other day and I was doing it. I loved it. I was just like, I, this is something of mine. I need to take care of it. I'm showing God I could take care of stuff because I want more responsibility. I want more things. And what a shift. Because before it was like, I got to do this because it's dirty. Yeah. But now it's just like, I'm just giving love to everything. Hmm. Okay. Well, back to the, to the fear of intimacy. Okay. Um, how do you have any like examples of how that has manifested into some of your relationships like since then? Well, uh, I think I'll, let me read the how am I, I am affected thing and maybe it'll okay. come up or if, if something dawns on you, ask me a question. Okay. So this fear has kept me cycling through friends, intimate partners in and out of recovery. 
I would never let people get too close because I was unwilling to be seen or run the risk of being hurt, which could translate into what you're saying, run the risk of being dominated or run the risk of, of someone, you know, like abandoning me or dominating me. It sounds like one parent abandoned me and the other one dominated me. Well, they both abandoned me emotionally. So, um, I know, uh, risk of being hurt. This made me focus more on external goals that I could only build up so much before destroying them. I would be in an active addiction. I would be in active addiction to dissociate from the loneliness and failure. So I would build up these things to get these out of boys, but then I would end up not being able to sustain them because, um, uh, once you start sticking around long enough and I notice this flip flopping back and forth in and out of recovery. So I'd have like my using friends and my sober friends. Uh, it didn't matter. People want to get to know you. If you stick around long enough, they're going to want to get to know you and get to know you better. And so it reached a point where there was so much there people wanting to love me. There's one wanting to have relationships. There's people want to collaborate, all this stuff. And it would trigger me so much because of my need for control. Because that, like, people wanting to connect with me, t- turning their attention towards me and being like, I want to get to know you better, it made me uh, fearful. Yeah, I do that same thing. And it didn't, I didn't know, like, if people wanted something from me, like, all of a sudden, like, a new friend's like, hey, can I notice you said you have, like, um, you have an extra laptop. Do you think I could borrow it for a week? I'm trying to get this paper done. That would trigger me. I'd be like, oh, this motherfucker is going to start using me and like making me do a bunch of weird shit that like my mom used to make me do. And then I would just like ghost them. I wouldn't even, and I wouldn't even be aware. I wouldn't even return their call or I would say, yeah, sure. But then I just would never bring it by or never say anything again. And they'd be like, I would just confuse that person. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Cause I've done, I do that same thing even like today. Um, but the friends, like, I don't have a, a very large group of friends. I have a very small group of friends. Yeah. But every single one of my friends I've known for more than half my life. Wow. So I've known for a long time. And it's because originally, like, over a period of time, they understood that that's, that that was like an issue for me and that that was like a part of my weird little dance and cycle that I went through. Yeah. And so they didn't like take it personally and they kind of like stuck around and waited for me to like do go full circle and like come back around and like not make a big deal out of it. Oh, good. So it's like, those are the friends I have. And even today, like they'll, they'll notice it where we're either like spending a large amount of time together or like they need um, help with things. And it's not usually a big deal. But like after a little bit, I get I get this little like automatic thing where I kind of shut down. And I'm like, oh, okay, I need to like put up a wall for a second, and and they know that that's what I do, and so they'll just chill and wait. Like might send me a text or something, and be like, hey, whenever you're you know around again, like just let us know and stuff. So mm. it's that's very cool because they let me do this weird funky little dance, and they don't take it personally, right? You know? So well, and it's good to know that about you. I mean, now that you're saying that, I don't know. Maybe you did just for. I feel like maybe that might have happened with us once. It did happen when, um, like, the whole remember. jail thing. Like before that, I think the month leading up to me having to surrender, like I just completely shut down. Yeah, and like with everybody, like I wasn't hanging out with people. I wasn't going to, um, 
you know, my stupid little dance class thing with my mom. <laughs> and like, like I just completely shut down. And yeah. that's just something like, I don't know how else to like handle. Those. So you like dissociate basically. Yeah. yeah, me too. And so that's what I would do with the drugs. So there's been, I mean, uh, my whole life and I can't, begin to tell you how many amazing women have tried to love me. I mean, I've just been blessed. Like I'm a cool guy. Like I've never, it's never been like, I don't notice half the time when women are into me. I just don't track on that. But I've had a lot of women that when they wanted to get close to me and I felt that thing where I, it's just that thing of having to let go of control and having to be vulnerable and be real with that person. And in that moment of dissociation, in that moment of fear, I would dissociate. And instead of reconnecting internally, recognizing that I fell off the surfboard because I didn't have the tools. I didn't even know. I was just like, I feel this way right now. Now I feel this way over here. Like, why am I feeling all good? And, and like, I would be in a surrendered state where I could attract women who are available. And then next thing I know, I'd be like in a dissociated space, afraid of the same girl and looking at that girl like she just... She wants to get to know me better and wants a relationship. And I'm thinking she just wants to use me for a visa because she's Canadian. And she's just, <laughs> I'll make up a story in my mind about how yeah. she's absolutely just using me and crazy. Because I dissociate, I become fearful. And when I get fearful, I, I, I start seeing people that way. Yeah. And so then at that point, instead of having the awareness, whoa, I'm off the spiritual surfboard. I'm completely out of alignment. I'm in fear. I'm like a scared little animal. I need to realign. I need to get back in connection. I just dissociate and I attach to a meth pipe. Yeah. And then when I attach to a meth pipe, my vibration shifts so much, it freaks the person out and they just leave. They don't have any choice but to just bail on me. I can't tell you how many relationship partners I've just shooed off with getting high. I mean, the, my, my friend who's Canadian, we're friends now again. She's a beautiful person. And, uh, you know, she would sit and we had this relationship and then I got high and she would just like sit in front of my house like crying, like, where'd you go? she's like sober she's still sober but we were like we're doing this thing and we were having a nice relationship my life was so nice i was doing these events i had all this you know i was going to like the magic castle my friend you know it's like all these cool things were happening and she's like a beautiful woman and, and i just didn't know how to receive it i couldn't receive it and stay in control and so i got high and i just remember her like sitting in the front of my house in her car just like where did this guy go like i don't get it you know what i mean and i'm like Later, I'm like in the, in the house, there's a video online that my friend did. He came over, he's a filmmaker, and he videotaped me smoking meth when I was in that dissociated state one time. It's a it's an interesting little video about, because it's like all of a sudden I get in this character and it's like, I don't want to be an AA. I don't want to be with her. Fuck all that. But really, I'm just in this character now. It's like I'm a cartoon character. Yeah. And so that's happened a lot, bro. That's happened a lot where I've just been like, unable to receive and so i just go to the meth pipe yeah i get that i do i think i do that on uh sometimes i do that on a like moment to moment basis during like a dramatic day you know like a what day like on a dramatic day what's a dramatic um, day what do you mean like when i'm not necessarily in a solid relationship but like the beginnings of that or even just like like in the um, uncertainty of how they yeah, might feel like towards spending you spending time with somebody like i just go to this extreme back and forth throughout the day where like one like one hour you know everything's good and we're you know talking or texting and it's like 
things seem great and then all of a sudden like it gets a little too real or um they show like a little bit bit too much compassion or like hint at something something more and then all of a sudden i'm like like going into full defense mode where i'm like this per like creating this story in my mind where i'm like oh this person doesn't really care they're just gonna like use me or they have ulterior motives you get into your narrative like, yeah and it's yeah. like a weird defense system because it keeps me from going to that place of like vulnerability in my mind where i like accept the fact that like oh this person actually cares about me yeah and it's like all of a sudden i'm like defense mode so that i protect myself you know what i mean so you don't have to receive that from yeah because in the past maybe has that been like it, it appears as it's a similar like hey the person is texting and communicating and sending you energy in the same way that you're describing there mm -hmm. but then it's like a crazy mom or an aunt or something it's like once the, that's like the trojan horse and then once they get inside the gates it's like some other bullshit yeah it's weird because like i don't I just have, want to understand what you're saying i don't that makes complete sense i just don't have any evidence to support um to support that like that theory well i remember you talking about that one time it's like the only in the evidence, hospital when yeah, you were but yeah. the only evidence i have is with my my family right i don't have like but that's I it should, that's all i'm talking yeah, about i'm not I, talking about the girls yeah that's where you learned it yeah. and all the other ones since then have been affected by yeah. it but the relation your primary ones like every other woman has been hurt by my inability to receive, which has been from these erratic people who tried to raise me. My family of origin was traumatized and alcoholic, and they taught me how to dissociate. Yeah. And they taught me how to not communicate. And they taught me how to, you know, be vague and be passive aggressive. And all these coping tools and these survival patterns I picked up in order to navigate that in every male and female relationship prior to me doing this work has been affected by that. Yeah. And it's kept me without enough connection in my life where then I use drugs and alcohol to connect. Like I'm either going to connect to people and God or I'm going to the connects. Yeah. I'm going to hit, hit up the connect because yeah. I need that connection. So that's what I meant with like, yeah. so like, but you were that, like, I remember you like in the hospital. Yeah. And then yes. you being like, I'm not doing this shit with you. You're acting all like you love me and all this shit, but this is all show for you. And like, something yeah. like that yeah and it's like that again that is my perspective of it sure and i still have like an underlying self-righteous belief that like on some level that is true um i'm sure that the the other party doesn't look at it that way um and i'm sure that they believe that they're coming from a place of love and compassion but i also think that that's partly because they haven't done like the work on themselves to realize that like they do have an underlying agenda behind that well you and also I mean? their idea of love is that so that person was indoctrinated from her family of origin their fearful idea of love which holds little resemblance to love's true nature mm -hmm. is to act and do that enact that ritual that you experience that's the only way and that gets really dark some people i was talking to someone before the meeting the way that this person's father loved him was by molesting him the same way his father was molested. We pass on these very distorted, often destructive ideas about love, but we're all looking to relate and love each other. But a lot of times we do it through manipulation and control and coercion and domination and molestation and violence. Like those are all expressions of love for the sick person who's giving it. Yeah. Because that's all they know. Yeah. Does that I make mean, sense? Yeah. And I think in my case, like there's some 
definite like mild narcissism not i mean i'm sure on my end but i'm mainly talking about on the other end like what's that look like to you what do you mean by narcissism well, like, that's a hot that topic these with days. that example that you said like and and what we, i think we've even we've gone over that on this podcast before like we could do it a hundred times yeah because we need to in the early session yeah. but like with the whole hospital thing like you know i was in like a major hold on really quick because i want to i don't want to stop you we're going to switch tapes real okay. quick go ahead um so that whole thing like i was in a major accident like was all messed up and um here i am in the hospital and i think i was there for i was there for like two weeks but they didn't start surgery until i think like three or four days in mm. for whatever reason like they had they had a good reason i don't remember but um they had to wait and so like when i went into surgery and it was like a long ass surgery like eight hours or seven hours i can't remember but um i think when i went into surgery like i don't know if they were already at the hospital i know my dad was there because he um had this uh mental breakdown of believing that like all this was happening as a retaliation against him and his raising me which is a whole nother subject and very interesting Whoa, like, he, interesting. he stayed at the, he was sleeping on the floor of the hospital like in my room every single night like just breaking down thinking that you know this was his fault and he was the reason for everything happening and this was me like rebelling against my upbringing and all this crazy stuff which wasn't true at the time but there have been other instances where like that was the case but mm -hmm. that's like a separate thing wow you're so always coming at you from all angles yeah it was weird really because um, it was also that, that i mean that's like kind of i mean no offense to your pops but that's kind of making something all about him too right um in a weird way yeah in a weird way i mean i mean i get it everyone was, has a response yeah to that he was stuff. very supportive he also had like a major breakdown during the surgery because it was only supposed to be like a three or four hour long surgery and i it turned into like a like seven to ten hour thing or something and then they didn't tell him there was nobody that gave them any information and so he was like freaking out and then when it was over he like basically blew up at every doctor he could find like doctors that weren't even involved like in what was going on with me he was like screaming at for you know them not having information and stuff so well, that was also very funny like i remember being like hey like chill out like you know all drugged up and half out of anesthesia and me having to tell him like dude you need to calm down like you're going off um but with my mom i she woke me up out of anesthesia and i think i've said it before but like long story short she woke me up like early i don't know how she got to me physically because i'm pretty sure they had me like sectioned off but i remember her waking me up and like like that whole thing was just it wasn't about me it wasn't about like me being uncomfortable and the suffering that i was going through it was about her and like my son is going through this and i'm here being the good mother and look at you know all the things that i'm doing and how difficult this is for me and like look family look at this situation i'm in you know what i mean is that different than what your dad was doing um it felt different 
But it, when yeah. you're describing everything, you're describing sounds to me like what your dad was doing as well. His was I. His but you were you were interpreting it the his same. His was way. like an internal personal thing. Like he wasn't um, he wasn't vocal about his thing or telling people like, oh, this is all because of me and blah blah blah. Like he was going through his own his own mental thing in the corner of the room. You know, this wasn't something that like was known to anybody else. She was grandstanding it, making it known to everyone who would. Yeah, she was, was being vocal was about it. It was just this thing and like... No, but if she was being more vocal about it, is that what you mean? Yeah, and just... And I don't know, maybe it was just my perception, but it just didn't feel right. It felt like... Like, you shouldn't be waking me up. You shouldn't be expecting me to, like, put on a show or communicate with people. Like, you know, I was in a crazy amount of pain just out of anesthesia, like, mm -hmm. drugged up. It's like, get away from me. Like, I, I'm not doing this dance for you where everyone can come and be like, oh, look at this predicament. Look at this situation. Look what a good mother she is. Like, yeah, it's, it was just the weirdest thing. So anyway, that um, that was a huge, that was a huge thing. And I could go on forever with just the, you know, my brain in the state that it was. Um, but we were talking specifically before that, just so we don't get too off yeah, track, because yeah. I think we were it's, honing in on something. And specifically, you asked me a question about like, okay, like, how does that manifest in your relationships with... Right. Uh, how does that manifest? And then I shared the story about yeah. dissociating and getting high and kind of like ghosting them, mm -hmm. even if I'm still in front of them, I ghost them. Yeah. And then, you know, you started speaking about like, how like i asked you a specific question about like how your idea of like love mm -hmm. like these people were loving you in a specific way that um didn't feel like love or was something like that well i mean i don't know if i'm like speaking to that and you said no that it never happened with a with a romantic well, relationship it's like like i create that issue in my relationships but like no intimate partner that I've ever been with has given me like um evidence that they were going to do that exactly you know what I mean yeah. like I have no concrete evidence and you would think that a normal human being like after so many relationships they were going to do what though um that they were going to use their status or their position in my life to be controlling or manipulative right to dominate you, know you. I mean? yeah like um, and, and again, like with my mom, it's, but there had been many instances with your family of origin where they had demonstrated right, that to you, which course. conditioned you to expect that. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the distinction I was trying to make for the listeners was yeah. like, cause you said, no, that had never happened. And I said, well, no, it had yeah, never it, happened with it, the romantic partners, right, it did but happen. it happened with yeah. your family of origin. Yeah, and it created this whole thing that I bring into my relationships that to this day, like, I really haven't had any person like I create that problem. Right. It's not like my partners are doing, doing this dance or trying to be manipulative or controlling. It's like, I create like this perspective of that's what's going to happen or that's what, what they're going to do. And like, sure. In every relationship, like there are moments where there's a battle for control or like one person um, has more sway than the other. But that's not anything like what has happened in the past with my, like, you know, mom or my female family family members.
sounds like it's i mean for like me it's like i always what was like i was always doing things to i was insecure so i was doing things with these relationship partners to make them insecure and i was like kind of addicted to creating insecure connections or attachments with these people because that's what i grew up in was insecure. i never had secure bonds with people i had weird like um so i mean i mean so like I would do things to undermine the other person in mind's ability to have a intimate, secure connection. Right. I think that's a completely like common thing that happens. A lot, right? Yeah. I mean, I've done that. And like, like I've, we've talked about before on these podcasts, like I've done that in several relationships where I've created this funky codependency or like become, tried to create this like reliance on me where I make the other person think that like, I'm the only person that can solve the problem for them or I'm the only person that's going to make them feel better. Yeah. You know, at a point and it's like, I've done that. Yeah. Like I'm trying to that. create this funky codependent, like relationship thing. It's very odd. To so I can feel needed. All right. So I can actually feel that have like, the upper relied hand. On, yeah. Relied on so that you're the one in control. Control. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you know, so let's get to the last column here of this because we got about 10 minutes. Okay. So, you know, the way these four, uh, these fear inventories, it's like the fear is this. Why is it? Why am I afraid? How am I affected by this fear? And then the last one is like, I put, you could say living with God, living in love, being spiritually connected. I say when I'm living in alignment. So when I'm living in alignment with my higher power, which means there's an absence of that fear. And I have an objective mindset. I have a clear mindset. My mind is open and I can see things uh, through a lens of spiritual love and truth. So I can maintain authentic and sincere connections with others. I have a baseline of intimate connection um, through human and spiritual relationships that don't that I don't need to take compulsive and obsessive actions to compensate or to protect myself from imagined threat or danger. So today I have a baseline with my relationship with my kid's mom, with my roommate, with my kids, with people here, with you. Like there's a bunch of ways I'm getting connection through work where I don't feel like I can remember before feeling so lonely that I would like take a roll of dice and like bring home a sick girl from an AA meeting who was crazy and then like really regret it. Yeah. And be like with this crazy girl at my house just because I was like so lonely because yeah. I didn't have any spiritual connection inside. I didn't have a, a friendships. I was just lonely. Yeah. And so I would do compulsive things like that. And then it would end up making me feel worse about myself. And it seemed like it was even harder to be intimate because I would pick the person who is crazy. Only like a crazy person is going to be willing to come over to my house at 11 o'clock at night out of the blue. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, well, obviously I'm not cut out for intimacy, but I handpicked like the craziest person to try to be intimate with. And so I can be real and participate in my shared reality, which gives me the opportunity to have words and actions reflected back to me to get rid of the ones that undermine me. So when I'm actively participating in my shared reality, so there's community, which is like, I'm in community. And when I'm in community, I'm, I'm, I'm getting some connection, which then... I can go and be intimate and have intimate connections. But when I don't have community and I'm not getting enough connection, then my attempts at intimacy are insanity. Cause I'm just going like to try to get this really intense, sincere, authentic, vulnerable thing going with someone when I don't have, 
I haven't even been working on because like for me, the need for uh, intimacy is the graduation. It's like it's like connection 2.0. Like first I'm going to have a community of people and I'm just going to superficially connect. Oh, you like, you have blue hair. I like blue hair too. Or we both like green day or whatever the thing is that we're superficially connecting with. Then we can start to relate and have like deeper conversations. And then from there, it's like, I can start having intimate relationships with people, but I can't go from like total isolation and being dissociated on drugs or in anger and fear to like trying to be intimate with somebody. It doesn't work. Does that make sense? So I never really got that there was like practice on just being connected, practice on being an active participant in my shared reality, practice on being someone who I can carry on a two minute conversation on the check stand at Trader Joe's or at my goat goat cheese booth. I remember it really started when I was selling goat cheese because I was managing these three farmers markets, which automatically put me at the pinnacle of my dominance hierarchy because I was the manager of these markets and everyone was feeding me. So I didn't didn't have to be vulnerable. These people weren't my equals. I was nice about it, but at the end of the day, I knew they were my, they they were going to pay me and I was the manager and all that. And then I relapsed and then I lost the markets. And then I, one of the goat cheese vendors hired me to be a goat salesman. So I went from being a vendor, like managing these markets to being a vendor in one of the markets. And I was high too. They didn't know I was high, but it was a really interesting thing because up till that point when I would get high, my job would be to go paint houses and just disappear. I didn't want anyone to see me. I didn't want anyone around because I felt shame and I felt guilty and I didn't want to make eye contact. I was a piece of shit. When I get high, I get into that like piece of shit avatar. And then that's the game I want to play. I just want to like be in my AI reality, watching porn, smoking meth, and just people leave me the fuck alone. But I was forced to go to the goat cheese booth and interact with families and people. And so here's this person who's triggered into their trauma avatar, who believes he's a piece of shit, who's unworthy and a victim. And I'm interacting with people, giving them goat cheese samples. And it was the act of like taking a little fork and handing them something. So I'm giving them an offering and they're standing across the table from me. It's bright, it's sunny, their families. And no one's looking at me like I'm a two-headed monster or a fucking crazy succubus. Like everyone's giving me love. And I started going, hmm, I might be loving. I mean, I was like shooting up speed and then going and selling goat cheese. But the practice of that, of just interacting with people and having this nice, safe table between us, I have a reason for being there and I can just practice on connecting with these people while I'm high on drugs. That was when it really started to shift for me. Wow. And so then now it's the farmer's market thing. I can do it, you know, I'm not high, but it started to integrate those two halves of me because before it would be like, okay, now I'm on drugs. I need to go do these rituals. Now I'm sober. I need to go be good. Like I'm sober. I need to be good. And I need to be a light chaser. And I need to do all this shit. It's time to be good, good guy. And no, I'm on speed. Now it's time to be dirtbag dude. And it just kind of, it started to integrate those. And now the last time I went out, I wasn't, I was really trying to go be dirtbag dude, but I was ended up like being really loving and kind and like, even to like the hookers I was trying to pick up. I just didn't have it in me anymore. Yeah. So just having enough of a baseline of uh, the main thing is, is like I'm a, my fear of in, intimacy can be worked through by just showing up and just practicing connecting with people and just being participating in this shared reality. When I start isolating a lot, all that negative chatter turns on. There's, if I say like, I'm fucking whatever, you're going to go, why are you talking to yourself like that? But if I say it in silence in my basement by myself, no one's going to check me. I can just beat myself up all I want. Interesting. 
Yeah. So that's the fear of uh, intimacy for me. Do you have anything? I mean, you're kind of vicariously doing your fear of majority through these. Yeah. Does that make sense to you? No, it, it makes a lot of sense. I think that I'm like probably still at the beginning stages of that realization. Mm -hmm. um, because like even now in my sobriety, like, like, yeah, I'm participating in my recovery, but I'm still doing a lot of these like things like on some levels, like I'm still isolating quite a bit. Mm -hmm. um, I have a routine that, that forces me to like interact and be a part of a community, whether um, it's with family or friends or um, like meeting different people through the other activities I do or work like, or coming I, here once a week. Yeah, like I, I do have like a routine that forces me to to do that, but like I'm still holding on to that that isolation in a way, and like I still like I confuse myself and tell myself that like it's that's just who I am, and I need my space to like recharge and like mm -hmm. be alone and stuff. But I think like on some level, um like it is a weird defense mechanism that i'm doing like where i'm isolating a lot is it isolation or solitude because sometimes people just need solitude like i enjoy my time by myself it doesn't do mean i'm isolating yeah i enjoy my time while i'm by myself too mm -hmm. um and i can sit and be alone with myself yeah. and god too and i think it's just like it gets very it gets very blurry sometimes because like there are there are times where i'm just really really like in such a positive mindset when I'm alone and like just whether I'm doing things around the house or like meditation things um, or focusing on myself um, or doing like journal stuff where I'm just like, I'm in such a good headspace and I'm alone and I'm, I prefer it that way. Mm -hmm. But then like it can so easily switch over to just like, like here I am avoiding my responsibilities, not doing the things that I'm supposed to be doing. Like instead of taking care of my bills or, you know, doing this work stuff, I'm going to sit here and like just zone out and watch TV and like not get anything done. And then two or three hours later, I'm going to be like, damn, I've just wasted like this time doing nothing, you know? Well, there, like, can I ask you a question? Cause it's also like, um, we, um, like let's say for example that someone sent you an invitation to a get together and it's someone who you peripherally know pretty well or not well at all, but they seem all right. You know what I mean? And there's going to be like maybe a bunch of sober people that are going bowling. You're invited to do something social and fun. It's like what, when I would create a story in my head or come up with reasons why I'm not going to do that, like contempt prior to invest investigation, like, when I start like avoiding and shooting down and bracing up against those kind of things, well, then I'm resisting my higher powers. Like I have a desire to grow and expand. And for me, when I've just shot something down, now that's not saying my friends are going to go do something every night and I need to do something every night. Right. But if there's obviously like, oh, I was very sure I got invited to three parties over the summer that were all at the beach and they were all dancing things during the daytime and they were spread out. And it was obviously my higher power being like, it's time to go to the dance and get in the ocean and just go do something different. And so I was able to act on those, recognize that opportunity and act on them. But like, when you start, when were you, are you like avoiding things like that? Like there's opportunities on the table where you could actually 
go and have new experiences and show up for your higher power? Or is it um, more like, yeah, maybe, I don't know if it's to that, like, I don't know if it's to that effect where I'm turning down offers yeah, or where I'm not, I'm purposely like avoiding things, but I'm just like not consciously going out and like searching for that connection. Got you it. I mean? Yeah. 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 I feel that. Like if things like, cause things do come up, I do get offers and I do participate, Yeah, but I'm also not like actively like, you know, trying to be a part of things. Got you. You know? Yeah. It's, no, it's interesting. That. It's just, it's interesting to hear your perspective. Cause it's like, it's deeper and like a little bit more advanced. And so I can see, I can see like, I can kind of gauge the position I'm in, in a way, you know what I mean? Cause we've done, I think three of these now. And are, is it more like after reading three of these and spending like three hours on it, are you starting to tap into that awareness that the first time you were like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh yeah. That, that was cool. That huh? was really cool to be able to see the connection between like uh, my parents' divorce and my need for validation because like my parents weren't like, I couldn't give them the advice that I needed to give them when I was that age. That type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also just saying when I read the first one to you, it was just like almost like I was speaking oh, a different yeah. language. Yeah. And I now mean, we're three in and it's all they're all done in the same format. Yeah. It's it's easier to understand and I it's a little more clear. Yeah. Um, but it is like for me that understanding is still moving a little bit slow. Oh yeah, of course. Um, but yeah, the first one is just like wow, like that's a it is like a different language. Like it's, it's like disorienting a little bit. Um it's just deeper than um than average right right, right. so it's not something that like it's not that i don't have the ability to understand it or be aware it's just that it's not something that's like it was at one point very common in my in my life to be that deep and look at things in that way but since then it's been oh when was it that way uh when i was younger like doing the whole like massage reiki like thing because mm, that's a mind body thing yeah and it's like like every single day in that place like we're all talking about you know these crazy deep subconscious like interior things and that became like a normal thing where i would like be around my friends or family and just like Sorry. like you said earlier um like you rip the sheets off of them or you like reveal them and it's not like I was doing it on purpose, but it was so common to like be that deep with the people I was right. working with that I would, you know, go with my friends or family and be like, like, oh yeah, you're doing this. Well, that's because, you know, subconsciously you're avoiding this and you're, you know, closed up in this areas of your chakra or whatever. And like, you're just completely, you know, dissociating or shut down, or this is like your underlying emotional trauma that you're not dealing with. And people are like, Oh, oh like, what? Yeah, how dare you? Like, you know, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. No, like I'm not taking it. I, there's no judgment in what I'm saying. Right. I'm not, I don't. You're just the messenger. Yeah, don't kill like, the I'm messenger. Just, I'm just uh, observing something. I'm not saying like, this is your fault and you're doing it bad. And this is wrong. It's right. just like, this is the journey of life. This is something I noticed. Like, you know, but it's weird, like going from that place of. Oh, that's people. that's the thing. So that's really interesting. So you, I have been like this probably since two thousand and three. 
that's when I woke up and I was like, whoa, what's really going on? I have these beliefs and all this stuff mm-hmm. and there's unhealed trauma. And literally I've been traumatized by constantly like not being able to not see the things and not turn it off and then losing friends or having people just freak out or having it be this weird thing where you they instinctually like shut down and dissociate so they don't have to hear it because that thing inside them is like protecting and wanting to live, that avatar. Yeah. And so it's like they're possessed by that avatar. And when I start shining the light up to them, they have these like animal-like reactions to it. Right. And after a while, I'm like, I'm not going to talk anymore. And now I've been really passive. Like I'm just now to the point where I'm like inviting people into like do podcasts around. Because I'm learning how to introduce. In fact, I'd love to have you come on one of the the conscious creator ones. Because okay. I'm done. The measures are done. The 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 the, the principles the the measures they're done and now it's, and I'm, I'm writing the thing so it's just about like the best way to deliver that in a way that it can just become common language with people it doesn't have to be this thing no one's threatening them no right. one's trying to dominate them or make I think them that's, feel that yeah, way that's something like people need to understand right off the bat is it's like like this isn't an accusation it's not an attack it's not a judgment like there's no on my end there's no emotional weight to what i'm saying right you know what i mean i'm not the judge or jury like yeah it's just like this is a clear observation of something that we all go through like during the human experience so you when you're hearing this and realizing stuff about yourself don't need to get defensive or take it personally because it's like i'm speaking from a place of like self-exploration i'm not I'm not speaking of a place where I'm exploring you. I'm observing. The only reason I can recognize it in you is because I have it in me. Right. You know, like I'm not saying, oh, look at you and I'm over here. I mean, I'm I'm healed and you're unhealed. And no, I'm saying in this moment, I'm in alignment. (laughs) I can see something. 20 minutes later, someone might cut me off in traffic and I'm no longer in alignment. And you might be the person that's in alignment saying, yo, bro, you know, put the gun down. Like you don't need to kill that old lady just because she cut you off with her poodle. Yeah. And it's like, that's why we can help each other. And that's what I really like is that kind of conversation, always bringing it back to like joy. Don't live in that place. But when people go, they have to know where they go. And we can use that as a point. The whole point of conscious creators is, and it's another recovery program is to see these patterns and see where we go when we're triggered into these habit patterns as a point of reference. And this is where we, we've just decided that's inadequate. It doesn't serve us to go to those places. I want to focus on this new possibility instead. Yeah. We're not living in this place of hyper awareness and just always like beating ourselves up and like emotionally, but some people do. Yeah. They get into that and that awareness turns on and they never get past. They become aware of the, the self taps into the awareness and becomes hyper aware of itself. And then that becomes its game. And it's just like doing that rather than continuing to push beyond that and to connect to God, God centered awareness and then live in this new authentic way. Yeah. It's like, how can you, how can you talk to that part of the person, you know, it's to like give themselves talking, that permission? Yeah. It's like, you're talking to two different people. You're talking to like, the observer and the awareness inside of them, but then you're talking to this like demon-like protector that comes out whenever you're like getting close to that. Yes. You know? And it's like you have to be able to on one hand like calm that defensive part of them down and on the other hand still be able to be like, hey, 
observer on the other side of this like you see what i'm saying you mm -hmm. know so it's just it's but you get it you actually really get it's it very interesting. yeah because the trauma avatar is like a sentinel and that's like the me part of me that's yeah. the part that's always becoming and then the i part is the authentic higher self which is connected directly to like consciousness and god consciousness so that's the part of me the authentic higher self it's literally captive and it's imprisoned by this trauma avatar because right now we're attached to this trauma avatar's identity and we can't connect to our authentic higher self yeah and so and so that's the point of conscious creators is little by little moment by moment mantra by mantra we just put a little bit more of that trauma avatar and its patterns into a state of dormancy and let the authentic self come forward yeah. and little by little over the last like i've been doing the practice for like five years that's been my experience now i'm authentically connecting to myself and to other people in a completely different way yeah. and it's reactivated my masculine energy because i was stuck in my feminine so very cool. Yeah. Awesome, dude. Well, I'm glad we did this hour. Appreciate yeah. your time and your insights. Very wise young man. Always a pleasure. Awesome.